Reclaiming Identity, sharing stories of struggle, pride, and redemption in reconnecting with our heritage. Hi, I'm Drora. And I'm Dahlia. And we're bringing you Reclaiming Identity as part of the ASF Institute of Jewish Experience. Do you feel a part of the Jewish story? Is your family what pops up when people think of Jews? At Reclaiming Identity, we celebrate and explore the greater Jewish experience. We encourage you to tell your story and take pride in your heritage as it is a part of your identity. Listen to other people's stories, ask questions, be curious, and reclaim your identity. Okay, hello, and I'm really excited to uh, be speaking with you, Yoni, today. We are going to be talking a little bit about your story, and uh, feel free to share anything you want with us. Uh, if there are things that are less comfortable, we love those, but also feel free to uh, uh, to with, withhold them. So if you could just, for, to start off, yeah. introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, uh, what you're doing in life now. Yeah, my name is Yoni Batat. Uh, I was born in New Haven, Connecticut, a little suburb outside of New Haven. Um, I've been living most of my adult life in Boston, but I've spent a fair amount of time in Jerusalem as well. Uh, I lived there for a year, 2017-2018, and now I just got here for another year of studying Arabic and Arab music and, um, yeah, following my curiosities. Uh, around this year. I'm a professional musician. I've been playing violin since I was four years old and have been working as a musician you know, since I was 16 probably when I had my first gigs, even possibly earlier than that. Wow. Um, doing all sorts of music, um, but Jewish music, generally speaking, from a pretty young age. I played in synagogues for services as, a, as a, starting at probably age 13 or something like that. And at 16, I started my own klezmer band and we played like bar and bat mitzvahs of our uh, siblings, our, our friends, younger siblings. Um, we had like a little circuit that we were doing this little business for us. Wow. Um, With your violin? On my violin, yeah. Uh-huh. And um, we're here discussing my album, which is around my Iraqi Jewish identity. So it feels funny to be telling you about all these like Ashkenazi things that I'm doing, but it's actually a big part of the story because I grew up with a lot of access to Ashkenazi Jewish music. You know, I started violin so young and I wanted to have outlets to be able to express musically in a Jewish way. And what was available to me was the community klezmer band, which was amazing. And uh, I was I was able to learn Yiddish in college and I, and I did that and all these things became an important part of my my voice as a musician. But there was obviously something really big missing, uh, being able to investigate more my dad's side of the family, which comes from Baghdad, and um, yeah, being able to find the musical language around that part of my identity, which started at a later age. Uh, but I've been doing klezmer the whole time. <laughs> I, I had the you still do it? I still do. I had, I had, a, I had a, the klezmer band that I told you about when I was 16. I had a klezmer band when I was in college at Brandeis. Mm. And now I have a kind of um, Parisian swing Yiddish band called Two Shekel Swing. And that's been fun. 
And also now I've kind of taken a deliberate step back from that. It still exists, and I still have ideas for our next album, and you know, want to perform more with them. But now I've had to take an intentional diversion to really direct my attention towards Arab music because I didn't grow up with it, and it's, it feels like I'm learning it now as an outsider in a lot of ways because I didn't have that musical language from a young age. And so now, even though it's my own culture, I'm approaching it the same way anyone would learn a foreign language that they don't know. Mm -hmm. It's like intellectually as a student, not as something that's I have ownership of in, in the same way. So that's sort of part of my story with Jewish music, and also it's the story of, of this album, too. You said that you were doing all this Ashkenazi stuff. Was that because you have Ashkenazi roots. Can you tell us a little bit? Yes, you said sorry, your father, I forgot to say that. <laughs> you said your father My is... father's side is Iraqi. Um, both of his parents were born in Baghdad. And my mom's side is Ashkenazi, but more American than anything else. They, they, that side of the family has been in America mm -hmm. for many generations. Um, whereas on my dad's side, I knew my Arabic-speaking Iraqi grandparents, and I had close relationships with them. Um, whereas my grandparents on my mother's side didn't speak and they didn't have much connection to Ashkenazi wow. culture. They were more American Jews than anything else. So because of that, um, I felt more connection at home to my Iraqi roots. But then outside the home, if I wanted to explore Jewish culture and expression, it was like de facto Ashkenazi. But So that's my mom's side of the family. Mm -hmm. Did you know your Iraqi uh, grandparents? Yes, very closely. They, they're both no longer with us. My, my grandmother died when I was about 10, but we were very, very close, and I have actually a lot of memories of her, mm -hmm. Violet. She also lived in New Haven? No, so she, they actually, they have an interesting story. My grandmother was, Violette was her name. Mm -hmm. um, she was a radio personality on Colisar and Bahavit, and she had a show that was around women's issues and was broadcast uh, across the Arab world, and she had non-Jewish listeners, Jewish and non-Jewish listeners across the Arab world. Well, when was this? This was uh, in the... 50s, 60s, wow. 70s, maybe. Wow. Uh, yeah, I would say around. That. I know my my um my dad was born in 55, and he grew up sort of in and around the radio station. He would come to work with my grandma, and wow. got to, she she got he got to know the the studios there, and, and even developed his passion for radio, which he has now. He has his own little radio station, huh. um, which he developed. That passion develops from very young because of my grandmother. Um, so she was actually living in Jerusalem while my grandfather was in the states. Because of her career, they decided they were still married, but they, they lived apart from each other. My grandfather with the kids and, and my grandmother here in Jerusalem, and they would visit occasionally. Your father was born and raised in the States? or No, he was born here in Jerusalem. Okay. Um, so they, my grandparents came in 51 from Baghdad mm -hmm. to Israel, and then my dad was born in 55 and grew up here with his four siblings. Mm -hmm. And then when he was... I don't know, 22 or something, he came to the States, or even younger possibly. Um, he came to the States with the four, with his three siblings and with my grandfather. And wow. he started a life in the U.S., actually. Um, but so I knew my grandfather very well because he lived 20 minutes driving from my house. And uh -huh. we had uh, a chichi, uh, Friday night dinners together. And... Um, I heard him speaking Arabic. The Iraqi culture was strong in our house. We ate Iraqi foods. Who cooked the Iraqi food? My dad and my mom, actually. But my dad, my dad, uh -huh. uh, my dad especially makes baba, and he makes. Can you explain kuba. baba? Baba is uh, <laughs> It's actually I'm gonna. I just bought the ingredients to make it this week because uh, I've been missing it. It's uh, like a date cookie. Uh, it's like a inside is dates, and the outside is uh, with sesame on top, 
and it's like a spiced dough mm-hmm. um, that I really love. He used to make that, and he still does. That. Um, but all sorts of things. Um, Malafouf, also like a rolled pastry dessert. Kuba, kuba adom, kuba shwanda, which is like the dumplings in a beet sauce. Um, yeah. yeah, so I had a lot of that growing up. And, and I also had like a lot of Mizrahi pop music from Israel that I heard, because that's what my dad loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but not like classic Arabic music or the old style of uh, Iraqi putim or Iraqi melodies from the synagogue. I didn't have any of that because there was no Iraqi synagogue and there was no... Um, and my dad wasn't really interested in that. So he was more interested in the Mizrahi pop, so that's what I heard. Uh-huh. I heard some like Adonasit, you know, at the time leading up to the holidays. And, but that was the extent of it. Um, so it really felt like when I discovered, oh wait, I, there's a lot missing. I felt like there was a lot of work I had to do to fill in those holes. And I'm still very much on that journey. I guess we'll we'll get to the point where you started that journey. Yeah. But um, growing up outside your home, what what was sort of the um, the Jewish story that you were part of? Did you go to a Jewish school? Yeah. Um, what was sort of the history that you that you were taught? Did you feel part of it because you were half Ashkenazi? Did you not mm. feel part of it? Yeah. So I went to I went to a Solomon Schechter Jewish day school mm-hmm. for four years or so, and then continued in public school, but still going to a once a week Jewish high school. Um, I was bar mitzvah at a Chabad um, mm. because I mean, that's, its own, that's its own situation. My dad, having grown up in Jerusalem, like a lot of Israelis that came to the States, they see this reform and conservative and they're like, I don't know what that is. They have no frame of reference. So he was most comfortable going to Chabad where they were Orthodox and it felt even though it was completely different than the Yaki synagogues that he went to here, yeah. it for some reason was more comfortable to him than going to like a reform service in mm-hmm. the state. So that's where we went and that's where I had my mitzvah. So yet another layer of Ashkenazi, uh, strong Ashkenazi Yiddishkeit, you know, right. in my in my in my development uh, and in my and my Jewish identity. You know, I I knew I was different because the foods I ate at home, and I knew I was different because I heard Arabic. At home, it's it's hard it's hard to know because it was so long ago and, and at that in those days I didn't know what I was missing and I didn't know what was I didn't know there was something wrong with that it was just like that's, it doesn't have to be that there was, was something wrong with in that. my mind there was something wrong in my okay. and that's and that's and that's like my my current lens on on, on, on back then is, is that there wasn't a lot of space for that part of my expression for that part of my identity um, there wasn't a lot of language about it I, there was no part of the curriculum that I knew of in my Jewish school around Edot Mizrach or really anything, you know, there was no alternative liturgy for Mizrahi. People people didn't even know how to really interact with Arabic being a language of my family. Uh, you know, I think people, we, we were seen as Israeli mostly. And I also thought, I think I saw myself as Israeli also because that's what was comfortable. And also that's how my dad presented it. Not that he was trying to hold something back, but that was that was his culture. The Israeli part was something that my community, my Jewish community could, could understand. They're like, oh great, Israeli, we, we understand that. Iraqi, they didn't really, they really didn't really know where to start. And and let's say your friends, like, how did they interact with that when they would come over, or um, did you ever try to like talk about your grandparents or bring the Arabic outside the home? Again, I, I don't, I don't even think I knew what I was missing. Like, mm-hmm. I, it wasn't something that I felt like I had to do because I, I see now that there was a an imbalance of like one culture in the home and a different culture outside. That's in retrospect, but in, in the time I didn't feel like there was you didn't feel anything like was... wrong necessarily. It was just like, oh, this is 
this is my family, the quirks of my family, you know, uh-huh. whatever. It didn't feel like, oh, we're this, we're representing this thing that's not represented here. Mm-hmm. And that's not, you know, and there needs to be more space for us. And it didn't feel that way. I felt like, oh, there. This is my home. And that's this is, that. this is the quirks of my quirky family. Yeah. And that's like the community at large. I mean, we had, we loved having guests for Shabbat and we had, our home was very open. We, we had, we had people over for meals and we cooked them Iraqi food. And like, we would tell them, you know, especially Amba, that was a thing that we loved to give uh-huh. people when they came into the house. Like, my dad always joked that when we were born, we got in our mouths as like an infant, a spoonful of amba, and if we accepted it, then we were allowed in the family, and if not, then we were not. Um, did you do that with your guests as well? Because that's a yeah, quiet they kind case, of did do it with the guests, is that they was like kind of a rite of passage for our guests, they had to come in and, and do the amba. But again, I think a lot of these food things especially are so beautiful and like so rich in, in their content, but they're in, in other ways, they're kind of superficial. Right. You know what I mean? They're just like, it's the exotic and, and tasty part of the, of the culture and not really the essence of it. Did you did you get um, some of the essence of it through stories from your grandparents? Or think, like, did you know what your grandmother was talking about on the radio? Or, or did they tell you about coming to Israel? Um, I didn't get much, is the truth. I mean, I, I know, I knew that about, I now know that about my grandmother. I think I was 10 when she died, like I wasn't aware of like, ah, what right. her career okay. was really. I think I had a sense of like the essence of Iraq, you know, I mean, it's like a lot of different cultures, but I I had a sense that like a respect for guests and welcoming guests into your home and like what I see as a core thing about being uh, an Israeli Jew. uh, I I didn't really have a sense though of like what other things are different about us, different ways that we pray, different melodies that we use. I just didn't really have much context because again, because I didn't have the Jewish community around me supporting me in that discovery. get into how yeah. you discovered it or yeah. how uh, you started your journey well it started as like a musical curiosity like mm-hmm. that was like the, the the thing that pulled me in um my grandfather took on a trip to israel when i was about 16 my grandfather um took me to a middle eastern music school i think it was in Oyuda, and we i he sat me down with the teacher there who like ex- explained to me about arab music the beautiful intricacies and uh, nuance and like opportunities for expression within this music. They have notes that don't exist in Western music. They have um, microtonality. And as a musician, I felt like I was a, I was interested in music. I was a music nerd, you know. And like as as a music nerd, someone says, "Wow, there's more than 12 notes per octave." I say, "Whoa, what?" You like that really caught my attention and like really. It turned upside down what I thought music was in a lot of ways, mm. just from an intellectual perspective. I said, "Wow, this is my history. This is my. This is this is part of me. That's amazing." So that's sort of what started me on. And, and then that trip, he also bought me my first ode, um, which was really special. And I still have that instrument that that I cherish very much. You play it? And I I, I don't play that instrument now. I have a new ode, which I like better. But okay. but but sentimentally, it's important yeah. to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and that sort of started me on my journey. I, I had an ode now, and I could tinker around with it. I still didn't have much context or really language, um, musical language specifically. Like I, I didn't know much of the repertoire. I, I didn't know the intricacies of the maqam system, which is some, some, what I've been working on in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of dormant. I was kind of just noodling around on the road for a couple of years. And then in college, I had an amazing opportunity to play in an Arab music ensemble, like a classical Arab classical music, which 
uses these same, a lot of people ask me sometimes, like, what's the connection between Arab classical music and Iraq and like Iraqi Jewish music? And to me, the connection is obvious, but like, I guess I'll explain <laughs> it in case there's anyone who doesn't, yeah. who doesn't know what I'm talking about. It's this, it's the musical language. Like, I don't know. Um, my grand, my, imagine my great par- grandparents in Iraq, you know, if they wanted to open their mouth and sing, what would come out? What we would call now Arab music, but for them it was just music. That's how you sing. Um, so of course, Arab classical music and Iraqi Jewish music are the same musical language. Um, so I had an amazing opportunity to practice that musical language in an Arab music ensemble with amazing teachers from Lebanon and Palestine and Jordan. Um, really amazing musicians who worked alongside us and really helped us to to learn to new repertoire and, and the and makam. And um, I did that for a few years. Really, what's what? And, and that was really helpful also, but, but really what launched this part of my discovery was when I lived in Israel from 2017 to 2018. I lived mm-hmm. in Jerusalem and I studied at Musrara at the Middle Eastern Music Center. Mm-hmm. And I had amazing teachers and I met amazing musicians and all of a sudden I was immersed in this world of Arab music, which is so strong here. It's, it's, it's amazing. And my teachers invited me to play in their, their professional groups and I, all of a sudden I had gigs and all of a sudden I had connections and all of a sudden I was learning all these PU team and I was like, ah, oh, now I really have repertoire and I have a frame of reference and I have a, a circle of people who are doing it and I can and have a, I can concept of what this can be for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really opened up a lot of things and since then I've been studying privately with a violin teacher in the Arabic style. Um, I went to an Arabic music retreat in uh, Massachusetts, really a special mm-hmm. opportunity. Yeah, and I studied also on Zoom with Roni Ishan, who lives uh, here in Jerusalem. I had a kind of chevruta with um, my friend who's on a similar journey to me, Yosef Goldman. We, we would learn together some view team and then we would practice them together in chevruta. And that was like a really special... So those are sort of like the, the ways I've been inching forward. Mm-hmm. It still feels like now, you know, I've been doing it for 10 years or more. It still feels like I'm just scratching the surface. Um, and I have so much to learn and so much repertoire to learn and, and so much so much farther to go as far as my understanding of the genre and, and the, the beautiful aesthetic of this music. And, and I love it and that really keeps me going, is, is that I think it's beautiful. <laughs> but um, that, that, that's, that's where I am now. And that's also where this album came out is that I felt like I wanted to express myself using this musical language, but I didn't feel like I had the right. It felt like I'm still new to this. It feels like I'm coming at it from an outsider. Who am I to represent this culture my, that I really revere to like an American audience or a broader audience that doesn't know much about it? It feels like, oh, if they're going to learn about it, they should learn it from someone who really knows. That's like the story I had in my head. It's mm-hmm. like imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I had to work through that. And this album was a really big part of the healing process for me around figuring out what is my relationship to that problem. Because really the album is about the fact that I, I'm new to this. And it's about the fact that I didn't have Iraqi community growing up. And it's about the way that I'm rediscovering Arabic language as an outsider. And it's about trying to piece the, together the pieces of my fragmented identity, mm-hmm. coming to it almost as an outsider, and trying to access memory and history when I don't have all the facts and details, and seeing how can I fill in those gaps using things that are meaningful to me. Maybe it's not specific facts and details, maybe it's senses, maybe it's ideas, maybe it's like a taste of a dish that can you know enliven and animate that part of like 
what I think of as like my subconscious ancestral memory that's not there. So basically, I feel like writing this album is giving me permission to not be the authority. Like it's okay if I'm not an authority. I can, I still my my experience as a fragmented human is still relevant and valid and so real. And like what I have to say is still worth hearing, even if I'm not an authority. And I'm gonna keep working towards becoming an authority. But in the meantime, here's this album that says, you know, maybe you can relate to it also as mm-hmm. something like, maybe you also are trying to find connection to your ancestry and finding it hard to, to fill in the pieces. And maybe you also want to have that rushing sense of uh, warmth and comfort when you taste something that reminds you of something that you tasted when you were a kid. This album touches on all of those ideas in a way that I hope is, is relatable to other listeners. Yeah, so it's interesting. I as, as you were talking, I was thinking about that comment that you had made earlier about the food and mm-hmm. how it's sort of superficial. Yeah. For, for some people, sorry, it's like... A gateway into like discovering their their identity and for you it seems like this the music is your gateway to discovering and so I want to know what were some of the things aside from the notes that you like discovered along the way about your identity and I guess this might be revealing parts of your album but what were there were there stories were there people that you connected with um, aside from learning the technical aspects of the music but like people of Iraqi heritage that you connected with or parts of the stories in Iraq that you mm-hmm. discovered as you were creating this music or learning more about your, yeah. your identity? Three things come to mind. I'm going to say them all so I remember them all. Okay. One is my uncle Razi. Mm-hmm. One is musicians in Baghdad in the first half of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, I already forgot it. <laughs> what was it? Give me one second. Oh, being seen as an Iraqi Jew. Uh, as an Iraqi Jewish musician. Okay, okay, so let's start with the third one. Being seen as an Iraqi Jewish musician, coming here to Jerusalem, and I remember I walked into uh, I walked into one of my first classes with Elad Gabay, who was my very influential teacher when I lived here, 27 to 2018, who eventually invited me to play with him in his orchestra and became like a really influential figure for me, and still is. Um, I remember he said, Iraqi Like, what, what, a, what an Iraqi you are. Like, when he heard me play something or say something, I said, Wow, me? Really? Like, it, it, I remember actually feeling like for the first time in my life, I was recognized as Iraqi. And that was really special for me, and it was through a musical context. It also the opposite happens. I was playing a gig the other day, and I sang an Iraqi piyut. And someone says, why did you choose an Iraqi piyut? I said, because I'm Iraqi. And he said, oh, you don't look like it. You know, so I've had the opposite experience too. But like for the first time actually here in Israel, musicians, either from my playing or from the music that I know or from the way I look, being able to say, oh, you're Iraqi, aren't you? And that really makes me feel great. Because mm-hmm. it makes me feel like, oh, I actually, I have a connection to this. It, it is mine. I, I have ownership over it, and, and it's okay for me to, and I'm mixed and whatever. But like, right. the fact that I'm still recognized that way is special to me. Like, on the one hand, the music kind of gave you this imposter syndrome, but on the other hand, it also took you out of it. Yeah, so. it's funny. I haven't thought about yeah. that in so long, so <laughs> it's good to remember that. The other one is just like how many, I didn't know until I started doing this work and, and learning about Iraqi music, how many of the musicians in Iraq are Jewish? And for a lot of people, it's common knowledge, but, but not for everyone. So I'll just not say that, like, until the ni- 1950s or so, almost all the instrumentalists in Baghdad were Jewish, which is crazy. That means, like, everyone who played, you know, accompanied even Muslim uh, singers, you know, pop singers, or mm-hmm. really almost all of the instrumentalists were Jewish. Uh, I think it's probably because Muslims maybe didn't see it as a respectable career or, or whatever, for a lot of different reasons that Jews end up doing whatever work they end up doing. 
musician was a thing that Jews did. And I didn't realize that until I was studying music. I was like, oh, wow. I actually, there's like some sort of a lineage here. There's yeah. some sort of a progression to where I am right now, which really gave me a sense of belonging and satisfaction. Well, now the Kuwaiti brothers are getting a lot of recognition because of Dudu Because of Dudu of course. And there's a song from the Kuwaiti brothers on my album, actually, a cover ah. of one of the songs, which, which Dudu hasn't done yet. Ah. Uh, so <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll do it together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the song is called Hadamu in Sof Minak, which means it's not fair of you. Um, and the song is about it's not fair that you, my lover, left me and, you know, left me alone and, and uh, went away from me. But in the context of my album, I'm reimagining it to be more about feeling like I'm missing not a person, but the Arabic language or my culture or memory, um, however you want to interpret it. And it's, it's also funny, you know, it's a sad song, even in the original, but like the rendering of it is kind of like upbeat. It's got this kind of fast Iraqi rhythm, which is called uh, Georgina. And it's like a tene dum patak dum tak dum patak dum tak, and it's like kind of lively in my mind. Uh, <laughs> so it felt right to like bring the mood of that song kind of down to earth a little bit and uh, more of a lament. In <laughs> Yeah, and the last thing I wanted to say, which is the third thing I mentioned before, which I'm very proud of myself that I remember all three, <laughs> is my Uncle Razi, who, um, not my uncle, my dad's uncle, uh, who lives here in Jerusalem, in Beta Kere, and um, he is like a chazan in his Iraqi synagogue, um, and I remember as a kid coming to like my cousin's bar mitzvah in Jerusalem and hearing him sing, and being like, whoa, he sings funny, like, he, he, he had, and now, with more uh, context around Arab music and around this aesthetic, I have so much appreciation for the way he sings and like for him having, it's, it's, he represents what I never had, which is like the opportunity to grow up with this music. He's not a trained musician, but he still sings these microtonal, amazing, when I think of being so complex, they're just natural to him. And so the music has offered me a connection to him that's really special. And he actually recorded a song on the album with me. Uh, he sang together with me uh, the Iraqi piyut El Eliyahu. And it was just, I needed to capture his voice on it because it's so unique and special. And uh, to me, it's, it's really, his voice represents Iraqiness to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember it even from my childhood too. Um, and when I think about ancestors even generations before, that's sort of what I hear is his voice. Uh, so that's that's the other connection and, and opening that's come as a result of music. Uh, and yeah, and it's role in my journey. Now you're kind of juggling between the two, between uh-huh. your klezmer um, uh-huh. band and, and this one. And have you ever thought of like combining them? Of, of Because I, right, the album's name is Fragments, or yeah, so you're talking about your fragmented identity with the Iraqi music. Would it yeah. somehow bl- like blending them because your fragments are together in you somehow? Yeah, for sure. 
I love that. It's a beautiful idea. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, for me, I, I'm a little bit wary as a musician about um, fusion. Because in my mind, fusion can, not always, but it can have a way of taking away from each thing the thing that makes it unique. Mm-hmm. When you combine it together with something else, it's like, oh, cool, look, I did a fusion. But like a lot of times, it actually it waters down both of those things to the point where the things that I love about them are not there anymore. On my album, I do have one song that involves... Um, some Yiddish and that was sort of my way of nodding to my Ashkenazi side while saying this is what I'm focusing on right now and this is what the, the, the Iraqi side is what feels like is the fragmented side I feel a lot of wholeness around my Ashkenazi side because of the education I've had and the Iraqi side is the fragmented side in a lot of ways but it's the jumble of everything that makes me fragmented too so I recognize yeah. that completely and there's this one song that combines Arabic Yiddish and Hebrew together um, yeah. I wasn't planning it this way, but I think it might be one of the first songs ever that does that. I wasn't like trying to break any records, yeah. but I was just trying to express part of myself. Basically, what turned out is I took a, um, a very old Sufi Arabic poem mm-hmm. from like the 9th century or something like that. The poet's name is Mansur al-Halaj, who was a contemporary of Rumi. So I guess 9th century, you can fact check me on that. Um, it's old, old yeah. poetry. Um, and then a Yiddish poem from the 1960s, and then a piece from Bigtei uh, Shachari, um, one line from Bigtei Shachari. And like, if you didn't know better, and like for people who don't necessarily speak those languages, it kind of one leads right into the other and together, and you can't really tell where the scenes are. Mm-hmm. That wasn't necessarily my intention, but it actually is a beautiful symbol of like my identity and, and my experience and how like you can't, I'm a multiplicity of a lot of things and all at once. I plan to do more work with my Klezmer band, and, and I'm, I'm curious to see now that uh, in this album I really wanted to be true to uh, authentic, classical, whatever that means, Arab music. So like I wasn't trying to do anything too, too creative in the, on the album. Musically, I was trying to kind of stick with the tradition, which is a challenge for me because I didn't grow in the tradition. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so in the future, I, I do have interest in, in just making music and however it comes out, it comes out. That's not what this was. This was really intentionally. Um, rooted in the tradition and also because I, I feel like I want to express that way and, and, I, and it's become an important part of my musical voice but maybe one day we'll see <laughs> yeah well I, I mean I, I appreciate that also because there's a lot of conversation around uh, being half this and half that but like no you're really just a whole this and a whole that and somehow Beautiful. it's one whole so yeah I, I, I understand uh I guess what you're saying about not necessarily wanting to fuse it so that it doesn't water down yeah. either either part of it, um, and especially since this is like your journey to discover something that wasn't um, as strong growing up, so it's important to, to give it its space. Yeah, um, totally. So I guess what I would ask is other people who are searching for their uh, identity or don't even know that they're searching because they don't know that they're missing it, uh-huh. like you had mentioned, uh, what what would be some sort of advice you would give them? It's a beautiful question. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's a big part of what I am trying to accomplish in my music, is to offer a sense of healing and connection for people who feel like they're missing that in their lives. For everyone, it's different. Everyone has a different re- reason for connecting with their roots, and, and some people don't care about connecting with their roots. And, and that's okay, too. Right. You know, I'm not trying to, to, um, to tell everyone that they need to do that. I think that this culture is really beautiful. And the reason I want to represent it is because I think it deserves representation because it's beautiful. And also I know that by representing it in the U.S., I can make space for marginalized voices 
to be heard and to feel like they have a home and they're welcome. And so I guess the advice I have, which has been really healing for me, is just to find others like you. Um, mm-hmm. That's really been really healing. And I, I didn't realize how important it was until I had it. Uh, I had a really beautiful community in Boston. Of, I mean, it was a, it's a hodgepodge of a lot of different things. It wasn't only Iraqi. It was, right. <laughs> it was Iraqi, and it was, uh, there were some Italian Jews, and there were some Moroccan Jews, and Yemenite Jews, and, and Jews of color, and like uh, so many different things, Sephardi Jews. You know, um, together, but like to be able to have a space that was shared with those people to say, hey, our experience is different. Let's make our own group, mm-hmm. and let's like let's 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 feel into what that can open up for us to be in community with other people like me. And maybe that's kind of mean advice because it's not always accessible to everyone. So I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but we do have the social media, and there are ways to connect. Media. And um, also like you know this is maybe a selfish thing to say, but connect with my music and connect with me. Yeah. And like I want to I want to connect with people who for whom my music resonates. And like I have a vision, you know, of like no, I, I would love to I would love to connect with so many people so that when I perform in different cities in, in the U.S., you'll know about it and you can come see it and we can connect in that way and, and you can you can join into an event, you can come to a concert where your culture is represented on stage or at least an alternative marginalized culture is represented on stage in a way that honors it and builds it up and, and respects it. And you can be in a room with other people who are also looking for that. And that also is, is healing just to bring people together I think this is a way of bringing a lot of different backgrounds together, especially, really, I think anyone can relate to the message of being fragmented, you know, especially in our modern society where everyone has immigration in their story within the last couple generations, you know, how far can you go back, you know, we're an interconnected world now, and people end up growing up in the other side of the world than where their parents did or their grandparents did. So I I think this is a message that a lot of people can relate to. I think also for Arabs, even non-Jewish Arabs in the U.S., I'm hoping this will resonate with them too. And my dream is to bring people together. And you know, I, I have dreams of, of having concerts in the U.S. where 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 we can share in our 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 be- beautiful shared culture between Mizrahi Jews, Arab Jews, and non-Jewish Arabs, and be able to have a sense of camaraderie and shared beauty around. Uh, around our culture and our heritage. So I guess that's another piece of advice is like connect with me and follow me on Facebook and Instagram and join my email list and um, and we can together build a community uh, that's rich and healing for all of us. And I would also invite Ashkenazi Jews. You're, you're opening minds. Um, you're not only giving a space for people who are like you, but also giving a space for others to learn and to explore and they can connect, and if they want to sing with you as well, they are welcome. I want them to, yeah. And I want I want to expand the possibility of what Jewish expression can be. Like I want I don't I want, I want to challenge the de facto. I want to challenge Ashkenormativity. I want to I want to challenge that being the uh, the the automatic expression of of Jewish culture. And I want Ashkenazi to also feel ownership over this being Jewish expression, even if it's not their Jewish expression. They can be proud that. Mm-hmm. This music is Jewish expression and it's beautiful. You can find me on social media. My handle is Yoni Avi Batat, Y O N I A V I B A T T A T. That's like Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can also go to my website, www.yonibatat.com. From there, you can watch videos. There, you have links to my music, you have videos, and you also have a, an opportunity there to join my email list, which is like a more. Um, more extensive than what I post on social media necessarily, um, but 
that's where I'll update you about concerts I have or new music releases. Yeah, and you can also reach out to me through my website, yonivatat.com. You can send me a message, and I'd really love to connect. Excellent. This was really exciting. Thank you. Thank you and, so much. Um, I'm glad we had this opportunity. Really a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Reclaiming Identity is produced and edited by Moshe Singer and executive produced by Dalia Arusi and Drora Arusi. Our theme music is by Vanessa Paloma. Be sure to check her out on Spotify. Be a part of the reclamation. Subscribe to the Reclaiming Identity podcast on our website, instituteofjewishexperience.org, on our Facebook page, Spotify, or Apple Music. Follow our programs on our website and the Institute of Jewish Experience channel on YouTube. And please help support these and other ASF Institute of Jewish Experience efforts by donating today. Moses and